Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put a picture. I'm going to start with a picture, and that's always dangerous, right? But this is a picture that I use a lot when I, um, when I, when I think through things or when I uh, counsel parentally, um, and it's a picture of a circuit board. And I use the circuit board as an illustration. Circuit board, very simply, is this, this board that, that, that uh, kind of like a, an electronic pulse runs through to connect all these components together. Very simple, isn't it? Kids, there'll be a quiz at the end of the message. Sometimes that circuit board gets too much energy going through it or there's too much information being fed into it. And sometimes when that circuit board becomes overwhelmed, it freezes up. Sometimes when that circuit board is overwhelmed, it burns up. I often refer to our human minds, our capacities, our brains as circuit boards. Sometimes too much information comes or the situation before us is just so enormous, either an expression of God's goodness or terrifying news that we're met with and it overwhelms our circuit board. It overwhelms our circuit board. As we progress in our anticipation of the birth of Christ, we come to a place in, in Matthew chapter 1, and then we're also going to reference Luke chapter 1, in which the angels make some incredible announcements to Joseph and Mary, which had to, in some sense, when they're hearing these things, overwhelm their circuit board. How could I possibly process and comprehend some of the things these angels are telling me? One of the things I love to do when I read narrative story is I love to inject myself in the story with familiar characters or within the familiar story or to see the story through a particular character. Having said that, before we get to Matthew, let's start with Mary. One can only imagine how overwhelmed Mary's circuit board had to be when she gets a visit from the angel Gabriel. Anybody have an angel visit them lately? Four or five of you, that's not bad, that's impressive. But the angel Gabriel. Then Gabriel tells her that she's found favor in God's sight and she's going to conceive and bear a son whose name will be Jesus. That would be enough to overwhelm the circuit board of a young, unwed lady. Then, going to Luke 1, 32 and 33, he says, this baby, he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there ain't going to be an end. 
It's the Pastor Kip translation. That would be enough to just be an overwhelming amount of information. This child will be the Son of God. The eternal God entering into time in some way and taking on a human body. Anyone care to explain that in detail? And this child would be a king who reigns forever over a kingdom that never ends. This is what the angel is telling Mary. And he, Virgin Mary, he's going to be right in your womb. And if that weren't enough, in verse 35 of Luke 1, Gabriel hits her with this when she says, okay, okay, I think I'm tracking with you. How's this going to work? The angel says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. This had to just tax, if not overwhelm, the circuit board. And apart from the grace of God, through the Spirit of God, no one can begin to comprehend these things. And now our attention turns to today's text. And in particular, Joseph. A man that we don't know much about. We know he is of the kingly line of David. But after Matthew chapter 2, he just kind of disappears from the story. But forever placed within the scriptures for us. But we know this, that he is betrothed to a young woman named Mary. And he finds out that Mary is with child. Stop there. Put yourself in Joseph's place. You believe you've found the woman that God has given you? You are looking forward to enter into the fullness of the covenant of marriage. And then you find out she's pregnant. What do, you think, what do you think Joseph's feeling? We can only imagine what's going through Joseph's mind as he thinks about this. It could be sadness, anger, disappointment, fear. And yet in verse 19 of Matthew chapter 1, he is described as a righteous man. And this righteousness, a desire to honor God in all he does, governs his response. He certainly knows what the law says about such things, but he also understands the heart from which God wants his people to keep his law. His love and care for Mary is evident by his response. He did not want to bring shame to her, and he wanted to end their betrothal quietly, and as he's considering these things, we can only imagine just a tortured time in the minds of a righteous man. It's time for his circuit board to get tickled a little bit. Verse 20 tells us that an angel appears to him in a dream 
And in that dream, he is told this, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. <laughs> what? What? From the Holy Spirit. So think about all the things Joseph may be thinking about how this came to be, wrestling with some of the thoughts that flow downhill from there. And here's an angel appearing in the dream saying, no, 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 no. That's from the Holy Spirit. But there's more. Verse 21, she will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. He will bear the name Jesus, Yeshua, Joshua. Yahweh is salvation. He will save his people, not from the Romans, not from any earthly oppression. He will save his people from their sins. So now, imagine Joseph processing this. All right, all right, all right. So my, my fiancé, for lack of a better term, she's so kind of getting at what is pregnant because of the work of the Holy Spirit in her, and this baby is going to be named God is my salvation because he's going to save his people from their sins. Can you imagine back in the days of pinball when you'd score too high, it'd go tilt. Look that up, kids, on Google, pinball machine. God coming down and dwelling with his people to save his people from their sins would be, Matthew tells us, a fulfillment of the promise made over 700 years ago that God would come and be with his people. In Isaiah chapter 7, the Lord gives King Ahaz a sign. King Ahaz, of course, a wicked ruler of Judah, who would not request a sign, but God gives him one anyway. Matthew tells us that the Spirit forming the child Christ in the womb and that child being God who saved, verse 22, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. The promise made to Israel through a sign given to King Ahaz that God will indeed be with his people is in the womb of Mary. Ahaz, king of Judah, who's freaking out because both Syria and the godless northern kingdom are threatening to invade Judah, God gives him a sign. And that sign points to the fact that the true and full and final deliverance would come through Emmanuel, 
700 years later. Because it was never the Syrians. It was never the northern kingdom. It was never Assyria. It was never Babylon. It was never the Greeks. It was never the Romans. That was the enemy. The enemy was our sin and rebellion. And Emmanuel would come and deal with that. The true rescue of his people would come through a child born to a virgin called Emmanuel. This one. So here we go. This is, now, now, we, now we're going to start to just try to just adore him and, and understand why do we make such a big deal about this time of year. This one that the entire Old Testament points to fills out the picture of this great king, this mighty God, God with us, who was residing in Mary's womb. And we know if we're students of Scripture, if we're students of Scripture, God with us isn't a new thing. We were created to have God with us and us with God. We know that didn't go very well because of humans, not God. We know that God chooses a particular people through Abraham, making a covenant with Abraham. And God promises to be with them. He is with them in a pillar and cloud. He is with them through the ark and the presence of his glory in a tabernacle. He is with them through the ark and the presence of his glory in the temple. But because of the nation's disobedience, the glory departs from the temple. So that's Ezekiel 10 for some light afternoon reading. Ezekiel 10, the presence of God, God with us, is now gone. And yet 150, 150 years before that happens, God makes a promise that God would indeed be with his people in a greater way. And Isaiah 7 tells us that God with us will be born of a virgin. God with us will be human. And if we were to progress in Isaiah's description of this coming child, in Isaiah 9, we would find these words. For to us a child is given, or a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. I got him out of whack. All right. Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. And on the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Mary and Joseph have to be realizing being righteous and understanding God's law. They have to be starting to understand the enormity of what is going on. Emmanuel, God with us, will come in the form of a baby. He will be mighty God and he will be king. And what is the mission of God with us? 
Well, according to Matthew's text, from the angel, verse 21 tells us, you shall call his name Jesus, for he, for he, why will you call him that? Why will you call him God of salvation? For he will save his people from their sins. That's why God will be with us, the God who saves, and he will save his people from their sin. He will be a king who saves his people from their sin by dying for his people. What king is this? We could say it this way. Emmanuel. Remember, we hear Emmanuel immediately, oh, God with us. Emmanuel is the full and final solution to what prevents God's image bearers from full presence and communion with their God. We were created to be fully in God's presence and live our lives in full communion with God, our Creator. We were. We were. That's why it's such a train wreck when we're not. And Emmanuel, it is only through Emmanuel. That is the only way back. He is the only solution. Are we starting to see why it is so appropriate to totally celebrate Emmanuel's arrival? This is worth decorating. This is worth giving gifts. Now back to our guy Joseph. Can you imagine him processing all of this? We've read it so many times. We could grant, okay, yeah, he's going to save people from sin. This is totally Isaiah 7. Okay, I'm going to go have a sandwich. No, I mean, this is, this is enormous. And, I, and we don't know, can he really get his arms around all this? If you, so, so I am a, a pastor and elder of a church, and if, if we had to sit down and talk about the incarnation of Christ, the God-man, there's some things that are just still incredibly hard to understand. I don't remember if it was Luther, I think it may have been Luther who said, this is the highest mystery of Scripture. So we can imagine that it has to be befuddling on some levels to Joseph. How's this all? How does, but we're skipping this and. Uh. But what I want you to notice is how he responds. And this is so instructive for us. So instructive for us. Remember what the first thing the angel said to Joseph in verse 20. He says this, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. So we can infer from that that he's fearing to take Mary as his wife. Then comes all this, all this circuit board taxing stuff about you're going to call him, you're going to call him God is salvation because he's going to save his people. It's going to be a total fulfillment of Isaiah 7. Whoa! And then verses 24 and 25, we catch Joseph's response. When Joseph woke from sleep, 
He did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. Joseph, Joseph, I'll say it one more time for this side. Joseph believed what God said. And that's going to be the key. That's going to be the key to entering into, entering into Emmanuel's rescue. That's going to be the key to entering into God's salvation. And this is going to go far beyond the Jewish people. It's for Gentiles like us as well, who would be called children of Abraham by our faith. To enter into Emmanuel's salvation, we must believe, we must trust. Joseph believed what God said. And as an expression of that faith, what does Joseph do? Joseph obeys. True transforming, true transforming faith always leads to obedience. That's why we labor hard to make sure we're not separating Christ as Savior from Christ as Lord. Two sides of the same coin. And as an expression of faith, Joseph obeyed and along with his wife Mary, he beheld God with us being brought into this world. God the King, God the Savior, Emmanuel, God with us. Remember our goal we want to adore. We want to adore this Christ. So here are just some things to think about. Number one, what are we doing? What are we doing with Emmanuel? What are we doing with Emmanuel, the, the God who saves? Do we like Joseph, believe, believe, and obey what God has said? Do we see our need for Emmanuel? Do we see our problem as so big that it took God coming down to solve it? Do we then, if we believe, do we just adore the God who came down to solve it? And everything we do this time of year, fighting the secular inbreaking, the secular inbreaking, everything we're doing, we're connecting to the adoration of Emmanuel. That's how we glorify him and we celebrate this season rightly. We don't want to be a people that shuts down this season. 
We want to be a people that celebrates this season in all of its fullness because we trust, we believe, we love the one whose birth we're celebrating. Do we believe even when some of the details about God in human flesh threaten to overwhelm our circuit board, do we believe it because God has said it? In that way, our desire is to be like Joseph, a righteous man who believed God and obeyed God. Number two, or three, I have no idea at this point. Do we recognize, do we recognize that God is still with us? Nick, um, I think it was two weeks ago, Nick taught. Nick taught, and there's, a, there's, there's just a way that theologians have used, but I think it's just helpful for all of us, to help understand certain things in the Scriptures. Some things have happened already, but not fully yet. Already in some ways, but, but there's more to come. And that not yet part, that not yet part is often, if not always, a greater expression. So why do I say that? The, the birth of the God-man, of Emmanuel, the incarnation, if you want to use a fancy term and wow people over lunch, the incarnation was the beginning in the new covenant age, the beginning of God with us, and God is still with us in an even greater way. When Emmanuel says at the end of Matthew's gospel, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. Think of what he's promising there. He's promising God with you. He's talking about God with us through the presence of his Spirit. And at the day of Pentecost, an even greater day of God with us began. God living inside all of God's people. So there's our theology. Take comfort in that. Take comfort, believer, that no matter the circumstance, no matter the course of your life currently, and as elders, we are privy to some really, really hard and scary circumstances that are visiting your lives right now. It's heartbreaking. And it's not as though, it is not as though we can just simply erase that fear with our words or erase that heartache with those words. But what we can do, and I think what God calls us to do, is to help God's children recognize the benefits that Christ 
Emmanuel has purchased for his people. One of them being the fact that God is with you. I I don't know how this is going to work out, but I, I do know what God has said, and I believe him. God is with you. And you know what? Let's add a little bit of, let's add a little bit of Paul from Romans. He's for you. Again, I, I don't know how this is all going to shake out. Doesn't mean the road's going to be easy. But I could rest assured that God goes with you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you in all you are going through. God with us in that way, in that way, the flashpoint, the beginning of that was a babe in a manger. Emmanuel, God with us. That's why we celebrate the season. And God with us is the greatest thing we can have. Already. God's already with us. He's already with us. Woohoo! But not yet fully. And remember, we said the not yet, the not yet, the not yet is always greater. So we got a heaping dose of not yet coming. Do we, do we long for the ultimate fulfillment of God with us and us with God in the eternal state? If you do, or if you can get your arms around that without the circuit board going, You'll start to understand when Paul uses radical language like, yeah, death is gain. Really? I'm going to leave them? I'm going to leave you? Death is gain? Yeah, death is gain. Death is gain. Because death is the doorway through which we enter into the fullness of God with us and us with God in the eternal state. Someday, the ultimate benefit of our salvation. So, so God is salvation. Jesus, God is salvation. And the ultimate benefit of our salvation is God. Because we will be in his presence where we were created to be. And we will be in that presence with absolutely no sin to hinder it. That's, that's, we're living faithfully with hope for that day. And that promise, that promise is only for those, only for those who have entered into Emmanuel's salvation by faith. Is that you? Is that you? Or are you one of those where I was <laughs> before God miraculously stepped in who realized, yeah, Jesus is the Son of God, but I got this. So now on the other side of having the lights turned on, I realized, man, I was really thinking ridiculously. Like, if it took God to come down to solve the problem, I'm not okay. My sin is such that I, I can't make that right. No other human can make that right. 
It takes God coming down and taking the form of a human to make that right. Have you entered into Emmanuel's salvation by faith? Perfect peace, perfect joy, perfect satisfaction for all of eternity. The coming of Christ makes that all possible. And that should make us zealous to celebrate his birth. Pray with me, and while I do, I'd invite the musicians and the those helping serve the supper to come forward. Father, I just ask that the fact that that God would come down, Christ would come, I pray, Lord, that we would just be intoxicated with the realization of the love that you have displayed to us in that. May that love just transform us. May that love make us love you more zealously. May that love help us to trust you even more deeply and stir in our hearts a desire to follow you all of the days of our lives, to bring glory to the Emmanuel who rescued us and who awaits us with rewards and, and presence. Not, not, not Christmas presents. I'm talking about a, an actual presence of person who awaits us with presence, what we were created for, for all of eternity. Oh, glorious day. So, Father, bless us in that way. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.